Welcome all you freaks, geeks, blurs, nerds, dippers, twitchers, ball rumors, and the like. This is the latest installment of My House is Burning. My House is Burning is the after show for a Viceland's docu-series, My House, that's going in depth. Uh, depth? Depth. <laughs> Discussing and following uh, six ball rumors in the New York ballroom scene. And this episode is cream. Gotta get the money. Dollar, dollar, uh, This is episode six of My House is Burning and My House by Slant Show. And we jump right into it with the good shit as usual. Now, I, I, I don't, I don't know. So we, uh, we dive into this gypsy sport. Well, first of all, we end a car with Tati uh, during New York Fashion Week at the Gypsy Sport Fashion Show, uh, where that's where she's headed. And I have to say, like, this show never fails to amaze me or, or never or whatever because it's just uh such dope ass people and uh no 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 so we get uh alex and tati actually and this is tati's first fashion show i would imagine it's one of many for alex so far but she's like i'm here to perform i'm here to walk and i'm here to vogue and that's a newer thing like i haven't been into fashion like i was about a decade ago <laughs> but things have changed it's always changing but to see tati i don't know to see her just exude this this joy this happiness it's just like i was so infectious because i'm smiling the entire time that she's on camera same with alex but alex is more reserved he seems more seasoned and so the excitement that tati is feeling is like as a newcomer whereas this for him is just a day in the life of Alex. It doesn't feel as if he's taking it for granted. It just feels like, well, this is something that I'm used to. Because Alex said something to the effect of, um, oh, God, I don't know verbatim. But it was pretty much like, I can't hold Tati's hand. I have to let her, you know, I can teach her and tell her stuff. I can tell her X, Y, and Z. But when it comes down to it, she has to be ready on her own. You know, pretty much it felt like a very parental uh, older brother, older sister type of kind of conversation. And this is one thing that I really love about Alex is he's kind of the epitome of turning what you love to do into your job or into, you know, the thing that makes you money. And I mean, all of them are, everyone is, but Alex, for whatever reason, gives a very uh, mature, um, older, wise feel about him in this, in this, in a way that I feel like I know I'm older than Alex, but I feel like being around him, I would probably feel like the child, like he was a uh, a um, uh, elder, and I I like that about him because it's just seeing all of that come from this tiny person who just is capable of so many physical feats, and also knowing the backstory, knowing how he's come, or the kind of the internal struggle that he deals with. Just from the last few episodes alone, it's just like, God damn it, Alex, you are just, I'm not even, I have no interest in walking um, in a ball or doing, you know, voguing all that good shit, but I, just to kind of experience that, which is Alex, I would love to like, just teach me, like, for give us like 30 minutes, he and I alone, and you just turn on the music and teach me some shit, just to be around him in his element and to see 
just, I don't know. I just, I'm standing a bit. But during this fashion show, I was very much into Tati. Uh, the excitement, the joy that she felt and how she was, you know, kind of reacting and voguing and dancing backstage. But it just still defaulting to Alex. It's like, oh, God, I, I want to know more. Like, yes, this is new and fun for Tati. And this is something that can help her figure out where she wants to go in her career or in life, period. But for Alex, for someone who has done this, who has a sizable resume, what is this like for you? That's what I want to know more of. So, but we get the folks on this runway gypsy sport i had no idea what a gypsy sport was but now after seeing this episode i can say that i will be looking into gypsy sport it doesn't look like pieces that i would um wear myself but i can't say that i'm just going off of what i saw on the runway but even still if they you know have a bracelet a hat a shirt or something i just want to know this brand because if they're my faves are tied to it so Good job, Gypsy Sport, <laughs> and even better job for uh, Tati and Alex. Now, the thing that really kind of um, felt like the through line in this particular episode was give me my money in the, <laughs> in the sense that everyone, we know what they do in the ballroom community. We get a kind of flashes of what they are like outside of the community, but let me see it. The, the show has taken us on a journey. It's a docuseries, so it is real life. But the creators, showrunners, uh, editors, the behind-the-scenes people are really giving us a well-thought-out story. And it's like you give us this fantastical, magical, underground culture in the, in the very beginning, and then now you're slowly kind of peeling away layers and showing what it takes to make this big machine work and precious who is the commentator who mc been doing the damn thing for so long uh kind of jumping ahead has is speaking to a friend of hers and it's like look pay me my fucking money this ain't you know i've i've created i'm great at my craft so pay me accordingly and this really spoke to me because I am an artist. I'm a podcaster. I'm an author. I'm an artist. I'm an illustrator. Like, I have talents. And ever since I can remember having these talents and kind of other people discovering that I have these talents, way, and I mean way back elementary, middle school, there's always been that, that, and I don't even know what to call it, but that person or that aura around people or that attitude that oh because I know you or because you're an artist just in general everything's negotiable so if I tell you that I have a piece of artwork you want to commission from me and I give you you know I do what's needed on my end and I give you a price and then you haggle with me it's like what the fuck are you doing same thing with being an author I've written several books and when it comes down to say okay this is what this costs it's oh isn't that a lot for a book well I, either you want or you don't there are times that like Precious said I put time and energy into this craft so you can read it and not think it's good you can look at the commission and not think my art is that great that's fine but when you when an artist gives you their product and they have it set at whatever don't and this is a bit of a tangent, don't try to get the deal or the hookup or whatever. It's just 
that's insulting. Even if it's, and this is no shade to this, um, uh, to this particular type of artist, but it's such a common thing. Even if someone is just making a T-shirt, and I and I, I'm saying this with nothing but love in my heart. I'm not trying to um, downgrade anything because that's it's it's an industry, but it's a very it's a very common one, and so. Even if someone just slapped a picture of themselves on the t-shirt, if they say this is what it costs, that's what it costs. So all that, oh, well, can you get two for 20? Can you come down the price? You know, oh, since we cool, can you do such and such? And that is the most insulting thing that you can do. I would much rather you just tell me my artwork isn't that great than for you to try to cut down on the price. It's like it's time, energy, blood, sweat, tears, uh, thoughts, everything that goes into these uh, into this artwork. And it's, ugh, it's just fucking frustrated so i connected so much to pressures but that's getting ahead um again i think the theme is give me my money you know and don't lowball me alex said in the beginning at the gypsy sport fashion show that fashion takes a lot from ballroom you take the culture you take the art you take the fashion you take a lot the aesthetics culture all that now what you doing that alex has made up um pretty nice has a nice resume behind him and i'm sure a lot of that can be or some of it i don't want to speak for him can be attributed to his talents and also his talents and notoriety in the ballroom scene same can be said for precious who's like look i am great at what i do don't fucking send me on a greyhound when you need to book me a flight you know or a limo or whatever and same thing with uh with tati learning her way knowing that 007 or not, I'm snatching trophies when I walk onto any fucking ball. It's like, and, and even with Lolita, it's just like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I need to do to make sure that my dreams become to fruition. And this, I keep saying that of such and such episode is the, is the best in my book or whatever. And I'm sure at the end of it all, I'll be able to kind of pinpoint which episode was actually my favorite but this one spoke to me on a level that the others haven't before and it's the idea that i'm doing what i need to do to get my art out the next scene we go right into alex working at a um a cabinet what did he say it's like every everyday cabinetry pretty much is a nine to five it's something to pay the bills he said he wanted to be have something a little bit more consistent in new york and what else than a job and seeing this alex at this cabinetry warehouse wholesale creating place and then seeing him in the ballroom it's two different it's two different alex's not to say that he's fake but just to say that you're seeing again like i said before this glamorous monster of a machine that is ballroom and then you're seeing these people with all those layers stripped away and at the end of the day, bills need to be paid and balls and trips and other things have to be funded some type of way. So to see him in this space, you know, feeding the dog that um, that is kind of the jobs dog and answering phone calls and just it's it's such a this really hit home for me because I feel like this is essentially what I'm doing. And this is what a lot of people are doing. And, you know, even if you're not in art, if you're in school right now you want to be an accountant and you're going to school well you probably have a part-time job or something that you don't particularly enjoy or if not enjoy something that you don't um that you're not going to make your career 
So it's something that you have to do in order to get through school to become that accountant or whatever. And in my case, this doing this podcasting thing. Yes, I have a nine to five. I enjoy it. I enjoy, you know, I make it fun. I enjoy the people I work with. I actually enjoy my work, but I know that that's not what I want to do forever. So again, (laughs) kind of rambling, but this episode and it kind of snuck up on me because I watched it and I enjoyed it. Then I watched it the second and third time. And I was like, well, this is pulling things out of me that I feel like so many other people are dealing with, especially like millennials and generation Xers and whatnot, the lower end of generation X or whatnot, because you get so many times it's like, Oh, millennials, you know, such and such. And you want something for nothing. You want to do this, then the third, and you're just doing YouTube videos and whatever else. Well, these are the skills that we have. No longer do I have to go from high school into a factory to support my wife and 2.5 kids and all that. Like I don't have to have a trade in that sense. Like it's still a good job, but we have people who want more. A lot of folks don't want to have a house. A lot of people don't want to be married. A lot of people don't want to have kids and all these other things. And uh, it's just a sign of the times. And I think, um, and I said this before about this show, giving you what the real world, and I think I tweeted it, what the real world used to give back in you know the 90s. This is a real depiction of several people living their real lives, just trying to make it. And... Um, that's why I think this show is so good. And I said it before, if you watch any other reality TV or you watch sports or whatever, I think that this show should be watched by any and everyone. Gay, straight, bi, ally, LGBTQAI, whatever. It doesn't matter your label or distinction. I really feel like this is something that you can connect with. You have a person who has a function in a larger community and then outside of that larger community for their personal selves, they're planning, they're doing things that takes them to that next level. And that's what this episode was about. So dare I say it without sounding freaking redundant, but this was probably one of my most favorite episodes so far. (laughs) So kind of moving along, we get to Precious uh, I don't know where the fuck Precious is. <laughs> I don't know if she's in New York. I don't know if she's in Philadelphia. But uh, she's waking up next to this guy, Shay. Now, I was like, hold the fuck up. Who the fuck is Shay? That's not hubby. That's not husband. But <laughs> I was like, well, you know, whatever, friends. You know, shit, I, me and my friends, uh, when I was just in D.C. Uh, very recently, hell, we hung out, was close together, hugging and all that good shit stuff, whatever. But it's I like that we're getting these different people that are in the main cast lives. Like Shay, I don't know who the hell Shay is. I don't know if Shay's affiliated with a house, if this is Precious's old friend, new friend, boyfriend, ex, or I don't know who this is, but seeing their interaction and seeing Precious like not even dressed, just like in a t shirt and a bonnet <laughs> talking shit, uh, and then talking about her music. That's one thing I really enjoyed. Um I, the timeline is kind of off for me because I don't know, one, how long it took to shoot this docuseries. I don't know if it was uh, over a summer, if this was over, excuse me, a couple months, if this was, you know, three weeks. Like, I don't know what the timeline is. So I can't, uh, when Precious said, oh, I'm going to take a pause on my music and because I want to have a fire ass EP and blah, blah, whatever. I was like, well, we just brought up the music a couple episodes ago. So what is the time frame? But Shay, the guest, was um, also discussing, like, oh, you have so many fire-ass songs in your composition book. Like, okay, so I, there's something there, and I want more. But all that being said, 
Precious, come out with that EP, goddammit, and let me know. Let me let me be one of the, if not the, I don't even want to be the, the first. Let me be the tenth one to hear it before it goes live. Like, let me know. Shoot me that link at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. <laughs> but no, but so Precious is going in, like, and this is such a, ah, a wonderful moment. Just one of those raw strip moments. This motherfucker is in a t-shirt, a bonnet with, like, face cream on talking to Shay about, look, motherfuckers have my money. Again, going back to, as an artist, I have a product myself. This is something that I've been doing for years. This is something that I've perfected. This is something that caught your eye that made you book me to begin with. Have my motherfucking money. Bitches, you act a real bummy. <laughs> money. So I fucking love, I love it. Again, that's the through line. I'm an artist. Give me my fucking money. Even if you're not an artist, again, if you're a, a damn... I don't know, accountant or you a fucking bricklayer or whatever. The fact is, I put in my time, my blood, sweat, and tears. Do not try to lowball me. Do not try to give me alternatives like, oh, would you rather catch this taxi? If the stipulation for you having me means that you need to send me an Uber or send a limo or whatever, then you deal with that. If you can't afford me or you can't afford or you think what I'm asking for is unreasonable, then you move on to the next one. But clearly, I caught your eye for a reason. So, again, I say, Precious, I'm feeling you 110% on this. I need you to pull out that EP. So when motherfuckers tell me, oh, what well, do you think that book costs too much or he give me a discount? No, bitch, you acting real bummy. <laughs> bitch better have my money. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, I love that. I wish we had got more Precious. But looking at the episode overall and then the whole season we got we got enough the point was made and that was that the other thing that i'm interested about with this show is with the editing again i don't know the timeline i don't know if that was like public knowledge i i don't remember anything being said uh at all but i wonder if some of these scenes are not chronological like we get the Alex and Tati and Jelani of it all and we get Lolita and we also get Precious but did this scene with Precious was this from like three weeks ago you know or was it later on in the season but it just made more sense to have it here like we're I'm so interested in now not only the show but the behind the scenes of it like what what goes this okay <laughs> quick tangent I um, studied art and went into uh, audio design and all that good stuff. I didn't stay with it long because clearly I'm calling it audio design and I'm not sure if that's what it's called. But um, I also had a lot of, a few film classes and just dabbled in a few different things. And I'll say that I've watched countless television shows and movies and such because hell, that's just the nature of my podcast and of being alive in 2018. But I've, I've done a lot of that. And I have to say, honestly, this show... It's one of the only ones that I can remember within the past few months or even the year that have that has me so excited about the inner workings of this show, like down to the editing, to uh, the casting, to the wardrobe, to the questions that are asked, to the cinematography. Like it's a very beautiful show. It's very real. You have some stylized shots, but for the most part, we're presenting you these people live. So I'm really interested in how how things work. And I guess it's because with a lot of reality TV show TV shows, you get pretty much, I'm sure, the same, if not a similar format as far as casting and shooting and wardrobe and whatnot. But a lot of reality TV that we get is very trash TV. 
And it's, you know, an argument here, a yelling there, throwing a drink there, and then overlaying different conversations to make things look a certain way. And that's the nature of telling a story. But for this, because the content is more real and it is more um, uh, kind of a personal look at these people and not highlighting whatever drama or issues that may be going on. I would imagine that there are some, but they just don't make sense for the story. This show makes me want to know how it's made. You know, if that makes any sense. I'm hoping I'm making sense, y'all. If not, please tweet me. Carefree Blurred using the hashtag MHIBpod. Also, when you're uh, watching my house on Viceland, please use the, in live tweeting, please use the hashtag MHIBpod and let us know that you're listening to us and that you, you're following the podcast. <laughs> and shout out to all the amazing people over there behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, on the side of the scenes. Dope ass show, Viceland. We need a season two, uh, greenlit or approved or however the fuck it works. We need a season two, ASAP. Um, taking a quick aside. The Brooklyn Museum, there was a showing of my house, and I'm so, so mad that I was not able to partake in the viewing of this dope-ass show. At last, I am here in Texas. If I haven't said it before, guys, I am in Dallas, Texas, a thousand-plus miles away from New York, about two, one or two time zones away from New York. So I, uh, but I would fucking love to meet all these Beautiful brown people on this fucking show and behind the scenes. Uh, but yeah, so moving on. So we get to Jelani, uh, another fave. And I really like I really like how different everyone is. Though they are similar and they're in the same community, I just like how different everyone is. And it's showing, again, I've said before, the where it's not a two-dimensional character. This is not just a token, uh, sassy-ass gay best friend or some overweight woe is me i'll never have a man so let me be funny for you type of gay or some oh i used to be a man look at me the joke is that i'm now a woman but i used to be a man like we're not getting that we're getting so many different oh god types of representation for those of you who have been listening to carefree black now you know this is my heel to die on representation in comics and related media so we get Jelani meeting with a financial counselor or a financial advisor. And that's something that really took me back when I watched the episode the first time. I was like, okay, wow. Because again, I say that this is a show that I feel like younger, you know, gays who maybe aren't able to be out for whatever reason, or even if they are, can see themselves in a way that isn't just, again, this two-dimensional, this is what you do. This is what it's about. Because to even see this, to get this far in the series, and to have Jelani, who has had his ballroom experiences, he has his personal life thrown in there. It's like you're slowly making us fall for these characters, but you're also... Like, he had a story about the run-in with the ex that was uh, very aggressive and very distrustful and whatnot. And I think that's a teachable moment. Hearing his story... My mom used to say to me all the time, you don't have to learn from your mistakes alone. Don't only learn from your mistakes. If you fucking up, 
great. You made a mistake. You learn from it. But if your friend next to you is fucking up in a different way, learn from that. Don't go behind your friend and do the same exact shit. And then you both fucked up. Saying all that to say, watching Jelani, and if this is something where your life as a younger person, gay, straight, or otherwise, if it mimics his, you know, like he's been in the foster system, the way his relationship with his family, him feeling like he's more, um, uh, he's more introverted and extroverted, him having to deal with the ballroom and being in and out of his element, things like that. But then you also get to this financial planning. No matter where you are in your, uh, what station you are in life, especially financially, it's never a bad idea to kind of plan. You know, like even if you have millions of dollars, well, you want to keep those millions. And if you have nothing, you want to have a plan set forth so that you can have something later on. And I say that behind Jelani being, because he, he, he told the financial advisor that he was going to be rich or uh, wealthy or, or well-off or something, <laughs> whichever one comes first. But, he, you know, he said he talked about day trading. He talked about um, uh, investing. He talked about owning property and never being broke because you own property. These are things that I don't, I've never heard explicitly said in shows where it was just about the fun time the the happy go lucky got gay straight or whatever like it's always been you know oh, we're gonna go on this adventure oh you know my man mad at me so when i'll be arguing or something it hasn't been it, just to i'm kind of tongue dying here but in this space that this show was occupying the last thing i really expected to hear was anything about finances and um not because I think people are reckless with their finances, but when this show was presented, I thought that this would be a fun show about ballroom and maybe getting a little bit of peek behind the curtain and just following six people, just having this happy-go-lucky time. But what we're getting is a real-life kind of diary about these people and what they're dealing with. So to have Jelani talk about, oh, well, I'm in, is he saying, what did he say? Uh about his phone bill being the like the biggest bill for him and him being in supportive housing and him not really budgeting and whatever but having these aspirations to own property that Jay-Z is a um, I don't want to say role model because I don't think that's the word he said but for lack of a better term a um, if not role model kind of like financial role model and I know that's not what he said so forgive me Jelani but just these things these other things that make up Jelani and the things that uh, are things that I wouldn't necessarily have thought about and we're we're getting them and <laughs> this dope ass show is doing it for me um, seeing Jelani meditating on the stoop in Harlem in this yoga pose in his urban wear with the light hitting him because he found the light, skin just popping and discussing his foster care background, wanting to be financially stable, his current financial situation. It's like, you, what more can you ask for? This show is giving you so much. It should be supported. Like, all I can ask for is longer episodes, a longer season, and for Viceland to, uh, hire us on as the official podcast of my house like that's that's all i can ask for <laughs> i need all of those uh no so we we move on to lolita and 
I think we discovered that last episode, but she's from the DMV, currently living in Brooklyn with her uh, man crush Monday of a boyfriend, Sydney. I believe I'm saying his name correctly. Sydney and his mom in Brooklyn. And, you know, they were talking about moving out and whatever else. And uh, Sydney's mom was, they're talking with Lolita as she's getting people together for her photo shoot for her frames. She has a an eyewear, I think it's Feline Frames is her eyewear company. And the mom is like, she's gushing about the love that Sydney and Lolita has. And I think this may be the way it's edited. I know she was saying something about he, everything he do is, is for you, is in service to you and your dreams. Like, wow, like, is that what love is? And I think it may have been the way it's edited. Lolita did a little look like, what the fuck are you talking about? But it didn't. I, that's the one part that kind of threw me. So I don't know. But I'm going to go off of what was said. And I really like seeing, seeing Lolita in this light. Seeing these people's family members, their, their parents, their parental figures. Because that's Sydney's mom, not Lolita's uh, biological mom. But nevertheless, her mom still. But seeing them and then seeing this big old teddy bear of a dude who... And I say that because he's just a tall, thick guy. But seeing him and seeing Lolita and seeing, like, again, this show is giving you <laughs> so much real. And I fucking love it. Like, God damn it. Um, so, yeah, so we get more of Jelani. And Jelani is going into kind of detail about how his, his, his life was. And one of the things that he said that kind of fucked me up but then made me like want to know even more about him is he talked about like the most stable happiest time of his life is when he was a child and it was him and his mom and dad he was the only child he was spoiled he got you know he didn't say he got whatever he wanted but he had like the biggest bedroom and then his dad went to jail and then he said people started noticing that some things were fucking up and then went from like $500 to $1,300 you know, he has holes in his clothes and just so much stuff. And I'd like to get this, not that I want to kind of go over this man's life with a fine tooth comb, but that story that he gave, like, honestly, this whole episode, if we could get a more expanded, like, deeper look into what the hell was going on back then more than just the things that he said because it's like damn where does this what does this do to you like we already know he's a, a bit more closed in closed off from people he said before that you know he knows how to love but don't know how to show it something to that effect and to have seen his father and you know then heard the story about the ex that he dealt with who was kind of I don't want to say crazy um who was aggressive and kind of a liar and, and manipulator. And then to hear these stories about his upbringing and about how he even had to go out and escort. And he had to sell drugs. He had to do all these things to survive. And then to see his foster dad. It's like, damn. Again, this show is giving you a wonderful picture. And then you peel the layers back and you get these people's personal lives. And then you peel it back even more and we get deeper into their lives. It's like other shows can take the... Take the look at this show and 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 look at what they're doing. Because even if you don't like ballroom, even if you don't like these characters, there's no denying that this is a story that's being told and it's unfolding in a very interesting way. 
um, if I didn't like any of these characters, characters, if I didn't like any of these people, the story itself would still be a good story. Like what's being presented to us. So I'm just, man, I'm, I'm all for it. I can't, I can't gush enough, but, but, um, but yeah, again, this image of Jelani meditating on the stoop in Harlem and Harlem, like you said, is where he feels it's kind of a more nostalgic place for him where he don't want to leave is because the time that he felt safest and, and everything was stable was when he was a child in Harlem. Now to think that this is a grown man, I don't know how old Jelani is. I would imagine he's 24, 25. I'm sure it's been said. If not, my apologies. Uh, if you know, tweet me carefree blurred, use the hashtag MHIB bot. No. So to, I mean, I have places like that back home in Michigan that are that for me. There where I felt safe, where I have, you know, some of my fondest memories, even in Atlanta and in D.C. Like I have different spots where if I was to go back and go to such and such wing shop, it's like, oh, damn, I went there on one of my first dates. Or when if I go back to fucking D.C., this is where me and my friends went on spring break. So it's just I again, this episode I connected with so, so hard. Uh, then we move on to Lolita and Feline Frames. And if I'm what? Let me make sure that's what our frames are. <laughs> God damn it. I'll leave a link in the show notes for anyone who wants to uh, get Lolita's Instagram and check out the glasses for yourself. Because, yeah, she, she did it. And I'm looking at her and not to reduce uh, Lolita to her looks because she is a very smart woman. She is doing a lot of things. But this woman is fucking stunning. Like... I've seen her perform and I've seen her in the show so far, but for whatever reason, this episode, every fucking time the camera was on her, I could not stop looking at her. Lolita is fucking beautiful. God damn. Um, so we, uh, we, we show up to the photo shoot in the, another thing that I love on the countless things that I love about this show is that we do get, Lolita in her element. We get her excited about her product. We get the models. We get, you know, the, the, the clothes. We get the fun and everything. But then we get this interview with Sydney, with her boyfriend. And he's saying that, yes, this is what she wants to do. Yes, she's doing it. I'm happy. I'm proud of her. Things have not always been great. And they're high school sweethearts. Been together for nine years. So what is that about? That's 20-something. Either way, we've been together for nine years. Uh, and he said that this is what she said to him. She said, baby, I'm willing to be homeless if that's what it takes. <clears throat> and Sydney was like, look, we're living out of a car. He said he looked around and saw that they were living out of their car. He said, well, baby, that's what the hell we doing. And again, that goes down to that theme of pay me what I'm worth. Don't fuck me over. Got to make this money. Lolita did what the hell she needed to do with, you know, the, Sydney as well. But she said she quit her job, moved to New York, and did the damn thing. You know, like, it's this, again, after watching this episode three or four different times, it's like the artist in me. Yes, I love the show, and I'm excited for it. But the artist in me and that person that doesn't want to work for this company logging 40 hours a week within me was like this nigga yes this is the part so yes I love it and I like the ballroom stuff and I like learning about them but seeing this personal 
uh, hustle, this personal struggle, this personal uh, drive to get you to these balls and to get you beyond that. Oh my God, this was this was the perfect. Um, this was this came right on time. <laughs> Needless to say, I'm I've been even more inspired and, and set on fire to do things after watching this episode three or four different times, and so we get Tati in this damn fucking skin tight leather corset dress combo with the frames and homegirl uh, from before with the with the red on it. Look. Looks fucking good. <laughs> I've been standing this whole goddamn episode, so forgive me, but they look goddamn good. And Tati's talking about, look, I want to, I'm here to support my girl. She doing this, she doing that. She's thinking about the steps, she being Tati, where to go with her brand going forward. And I'm, this was what I think is probably considered a quiet episode for this show. Because everything is always so fast paced, in your face, ballroom, this and that. And we've had these personal moments, but this was... Well, tell me what you think, listeners. Do you think that this was one of the more quieter episodes, or am I just wrapped up in my love for this show that I'm not seeing that maybe there was another one that was, or maybe this wasn't? But tell me what you think about this episode, episode 6, Cream, C-R-E-A-M. God, all these people are fucking beautiful. <laughs> uh, so shout out to Vice Land, man. Y'all are doing it. I hope this show gets picked up for a season two, three, four, five, and six. Because I'm ready to be there watching the two, three, four, five, and six. And giving y'all my house is burning. Yeah. Um, so the questions of the hour. <laughs> Who was your favorite? And was your favorite scene? And MVP and all that good shit. I was torn. I was torn on this episode um, because I really like, one, I really like Precious. I like the little bit that we saw of her. I like the story that was given, which is pretty much, bitch better have my money, which was the theme for the whole damn episode, in my opinion. Um, I really like Tati, uh, as usual. I enjoyed Alex. I enjoyed watching him do his thing outside of ballroom and outside of dance to show how real it is to one live in a big city especially new york and to have a dream but knowing that because you aren't financially set with a trust fund or whatnot you still have to do things to get the bills paid to go after those dreams so i say this episode is more kind of like a shout out to everyone who is clocking in so that when they clock out still put them hours into your own craft so um, and then I like Jelani. I like getting that personal history, uh, the things that he's been through, and then seeing that drive, the initiative that he took with getting his finances in order. Um, though it seemed like him and the financial counselor may have been kind of, not necessarily bumping heads, but had different ideas of what was more important. I still like the fact that he's there, he showed up, and these are the things that he wants to get done. He has, he knows what he wants, and I just never forgot how to get him there. Um, but for a favorite for this episode, I'm going to have to go with Lolita. Her story and then meeting Sydney and his mom and seeing an extension of where Lolita has come from. Not just her telling us a story and we're hearing it, just we're getting more of her personal life. And her and Sydney look damn good together. So <laughs> Lolita is my favorite of the week. <clears throat> as far as the favorite scene, again, I'm torn. There's so many fucking good ones. Um, I'm torn between the feline frames photo shoot and 
Lolita in Sydney's house with his with his mom. But then I'm also kinda like Jelani with his uh his foster dad, Mr. Charles, Mr. Charlie. Uncle Charles, y'all. Um oh, I don't know, but I guess to kind of be more upbeat, I'll stick with the feline frames because the conversation that Jelani had with um, with his foster dad where he talked about, you know, his wife dying. It's just, it was, I, God, that was, it was, I'm sticking with feline frames with the feline frames photo shoot. And uh, for the MVP, I'm torn again. I don't know. Is it Tati? Is it Jelani? I don't know. Um... But I'd have to, I'd have to go with, I'd have to go with Jelani. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I'd have to go with Jelani for MVP. Just everyone did give their backstory. And we're getting more of a look into these char- cast, the characters, the cast, and what they're dealing with. But Jelani, especially, you know, bringing up his past, about escorting, about having to sell drugs, about that wonderful time in his life and how it was kind of snatched away, and then seeing where he is now, because we don't really get. A clear answer on how Jelani got from being spoiled as a like five year old, I would imagine, then having the you know ratty clothes when his dad going off to jail, but then fast forward to like two episodes ago where he's with his dad, his parents split up. Your dad has a whole nother family. Like I don't think if there is something that was mentioned, it's lost in translation because, or maybe I just completely forgot it. But I there's a big gap there. And it may never be filled, you know, because even though this is a show documenting these people's lives, it isn't any of your business unless they allow you to know or they bring you in. So I'd have to go with Jelani because now meeting uh, foster dad Charles and just, yeah, Jelani was just he pulled in my heartstrings this episode. So I have to go with Jelani as the MVP. And as far as a rating. The artist in me said 10 out of 10 would recommend, <laughs> but I'd have to go with a nine, nine out of 10. I'll say nine out of 10. Cause again, I, I feel like this show is fucking amazing and I probably won't have a 10 out of 10 until the last episode. And then I'll say, okay, that particular episode was a 10 out of 10. Like it's, I don't know. I just, it's uh, such a good fucking show. <laughs> so, um, shout out to everyone listening. Shout out to the cast members, the housemates, if you will. Uh, shout out to the behind the scenes folks. Shout out to everybody involved with this program. Dope ass shit. I want more. Uh, give me, give me more. Give me more. Give me, give me more. <laughs> so um, as usual and as normal and all that good shit, please, when you're listening to this episode, live tweet using the hashtag MHIPpod. Please share the episode. Uh, rate, review, comment, like, share, all that good stuff on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much wherever else your podcast can be found. Follow me on Twitter, Carefree Blurred. Uh, use the hashtag MHIBpod. Please follow my co-host, Balu. He has an amazing show, Get Into It Pod. Follow that on the same platforms, Google, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, all that good shit. And please hit him up on the Twitters as well, Get Into It Pod, and let him know what you thought about my house and my house is burning um see y'all next time (laughs) for the next episode of fight slams my house which would be uh guns and roses (laughs) so all right y'all 